come with us. When you wish upon a star. Come and remember the magic. What's up, all you rad dudes and dudettes? Welcome to 90s Disney, your podcast for everything about Disney in the 90s. I'm your host, AJ Minotti, joined by my brothers, Mike Minotti. Hello. And Chris Minotti. Hi. 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 Hi-ho. Mike. Yes. You know what's what's tough? Bug. <laughs> yes. Bug is tough. Bug. All right. Yeah, I get to say bug a lot today. You, you do get to say bug a lot. Yes. So we're going to talk, Mike, about what? We're going to talk about it's tough to be a bug and a bit about it's a cinematic inspiration, a bug's life, both of them from 1998. But the attraction, it's tough to be bug, specifically opening day attraction, with Epcot on April 22nd. Epcot, huh? <laughs> Animal Kingdom. We, we were just, were just talking, talking about Epcot. About Epcot. <laughs> All right. Before we get started, just to get it out of the way, do you want to explain to everyone why you're excited to say bug a lot? No. What's <laughs> <laughs> a mystery? I don't know. There's we not like, much story to it. Much, our, our friends like to say bug to each other. <laughs> but it's the way you say bug. bug. Yeah, it's fun. To, well, it's how annoying. Else would you say bug? <laughs> so be ready for everybody. Okay, Mike, take me back oh. to April 22nd of 1998. I definitely didn't copy and paste this from the last uh, Animal Kingdom opening day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the number one movie is City of Angels. Uh, number one song. Can we be sure? What <laughs> song's too close by next? Uh, and hey, Tennessee quarterback Peyton Manning was the first pick by the Indianapolis Colts in the NFL draft. Did you even pick that same factoid? Oh left? yeah. <laughs> there you Why go. not? It works. You know, is that riverboat episode there? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure how many opening day attractions we're going to have left on Animal Kingdom. Yeah. That's a little Lion King someday, actually. Yep. yep that'll yep. be you. Uh, so yeah, it's tough to be a bug. It was uh actually inspired by. A Bug's Life, which uh, I'm going to talk about a little bit here. This was Pixar's second feature film after Toy Story, sort of loosely based off the Aesop fable, the ant and the grasshopper. At least that's where you get an ant and a grasshopper. They went with this idea because, you know, this tech was still relatively early. So Toys was a really good fit with it because things kind of naturally looked plasticky anyways. That's why you kind of get that complaint with... Toys life, uh, uh, toys life, <laughs> Toy Story. At uh, the humans, kind of look plasticky too, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it's good at doing things that don't have a lot of detail. Well, bugs kind of fell into that also. So bugs were something that they felt comfortable that they could do, uh, also. Original title of this movie was just <laughs> Bugs. <laughs> bugs. <laughs> I feel like that would be the name that came out today. Everything, the, yeah, everything's like got a one word. word, right? Yeah, Disney Pixar presents. Bugs. Well, the, the, from the pe- people who brought you Toy Story. The, the rivals did that with ants. That's true. What is? What they was knew the, that's why they didn't want to do it. What's the last Disney movie that had more than one word in the title? Wreck It Ralph. Two. Ralph breaks the internet. <laughs> that, no, uh, that movie is only called Ralph breaks the internet. I think. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Even still. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so Andrew Stanton and Joe Ramped, uh, they developed a lot of the story. John Lasseter was helped with the story. He also took the reins as director. He was also the director on Toy Story. Andrew Stanton was actually also co-director, so he was helping uh, out quite a lot. Yeah, this happened because um, Lasseter kind of burned out on Toy Story, so you need recognize he probably needed the help. Right. But this also kind of proved the template of like co-directors on an animated film working or sure. a computer animated film working well. This is a lot of those like you know original people still. You know, everybody that was part of Toy Story 1. The old brain trust Lee, he was here about. I don't know if, like, Pete Docter was doing I don't know if he did a whole ton on this one or if he was working on other things. I don't know. Time. I didn't see his name come up. He, yeah. might, he might already be on that uh, uh, Monsters, Inc. train, or maybe he was working on Toy Story 2 at this time, which was also in development around the same uh, time. So the original story had a group of circus bugs visit the ant colony kind of just to cheat them, right? Uh, but then they stick around to help them fight off grasshoppers who wanted all of the food. Um, so this version had some problems, uh, specifically they didn't, they never, uh, really figured out why the circus bugs would help. Also, the circus bugs were kind of unlikable since they were, you know, con artists. Yeah, basically. like from the start, you know, right. in a cartoon. It's kind of like the problem that they had with Woody in Toy Story 1 for a mm-hmm. while, He's where the jerk. at first, to- yeah, Woody was just too unlikable. Um, so they reworked the story a bit. Well, one thing they did was they kind of took the hero character, which was this originally this red ant in the circus named Red. They just turned that into Flick, who was just part of the colony. And he's the one who goes out and finds the circus bugs. And you kind of get a misunderstanding that gets them to come to the colony. You know, I'm not saying the misunderstanding is contrived, but that's why maybe if it borders on contrived, that's why mm. it is. Because you know, they, they did have to work a little bit to even get that reason. Like, well, why are they? There, the there's bugs? a genius bit in the movie where Flick does come clean about what's going on. He just tells us to tuck and roll the Hungarian pill bugs who don't speak any English. So he doesn't know this, so he thinks right. he explained it perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the film had a, well, a big cast of some uh, notable stars. Uh, Dave Foley is Flick. He's really likable in this movie. He does a great job. Julia Louis-Dreyfus is Princess Ada. David Hyde Pierce is Slim. So Robert De Niro was actually John Lasseter's first pick for Hopper, but he turned the role down. A bunch of other turn other people turned the role down. Eventually went to Kevin Spacey. I have a hard time imagining De Niro doing voice acting for some reason. I, I agree. I just saw Killers of the Flower Moon yesterday, actually, and yet trying to go like, oh, yeah, but he's in this little cartoon from Pixar. Right, like it's fresh in your mind. Uh, Joe Ramped, uh, who, you know, was, was working on the story mm-hmm. and was pretty involved with the creative process here, he was the voice of Heimlich. Um, he originally did the scratch voice for the character, and that means when they're storyboarding it, people from the studio just provide the initial voices. Um, sometimes people like that performance so much they just use it in the final movie. There are some other uh, examples. Is Baymax one? I think Baymax might be one. A, a, a good one is um, like Nguini from yeah. Ratatouille. <laughs> that is just somebody who works at Pixar. So yeah, these yeah, things th- happen. Th- there's other ones. I could be wrong. I feel like Crush maybe was. I think Crush um, might just be. Did you? Because that's Andrew Stanton. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So he just did it, and yeah. Yeah. So there's there's a Roz in Monsters Inc. Yeah. Right? Yep. yep. Yeah. You have these examples like this. John Ratzenberger is actually back as a PT flea. So this is where you kind of get the tradition started of uh, him being in everything, being in everything. Pretty right? large, significant role too. Yep. Yeah. So so quite probably almost has more lines here than he does his ham to be honest. True. Yeah. Who knows? The movie came out on November 20th, 1998, and was a hit, earning over $162.7 million. Now, by comparison, 
DreamWorks Ants made ninety million, also like a hit, but not as much. Right. There was a there was a lot of drama with that. Jeffrey Katzenberger had left Disney, right, and he was over at DreamWorks, and there was kind of this uh, thought that he basically just told DreamWorks about A Bug's Life when it was in production, so they kind of got a jump on them. And in fact, at one point, they like Ants was supposed to come out in '99, and he just moved the date up to get it closer to yes. you. You think it'd be a little bit more, uh, you know, secretive about that? <laughs> well, he was there. Or protective about it? Yeah. He was, he was, I mean, no, I mean, for him, is they might not make it as obvious. Well, <laughs> I think he just like, yeah, well, if there was a lawsuit of some kind, so yeah. Do you guys remember that. Ants? Yeah. yeah. I remember, I, I remember weird movie. It's I remember a very being weird slightly movie. traumatized by it, but well, it was like it. it's a dark movie, and it was like you know they, they were cursing in the movie. Yeah, the yeah, war like, scene was intense. It's weird because it was like it kind of wasn't for kids, but it was still kind of I don't know. It was a the tone of that movie was weird for sure. Um, so we actually just rewatched this movie uh, right before recording this. It's been a little bit since I seen A Bug's Life. You know, I like that movie. That is a good movie. I think it gets overshadowed a bit because. Or taken for granted is maybe mm-hmm. a better way of putting it. It came out at a time when Pixar was very new and fresh and can do no wrong. It's, I think it got overshadowed by the Toy Stories and like Finding Nemo. Well, and, and how think. do you follow Toy Story 2? You know? Well, that it, or it, Toy it, Story. It never became a franchise. It's, it's the only right. one of that era that didn't get a sequel. <laughs> I think that benefits it now in right. some ways. In to a be way, honest. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it kind of I kind of like that it is just this one movie. I mean, they have that little bit in the I think it's the Toy Story two, yeah, uh, uh, quote unquote bloopers where they pretend like they're filming the sequel. Remember, mm-hmm. yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It's a really charming movie. It's a very uh, funny movie still. It, it still has some pretty good intense action scenes. Yeah, at the end. Yeah, good. It, very, it gets you going. Very good. Yeah, kind of last act. It's very exciting. It's Randy Newman's best orchestral score. Uh, that main theme is very catchy. Like that. Yeah, there's a lot of fun characters. It's definitely peak Pixar. And it's more, you know, I feel like, especially for a while, it seemed like there was like two kinds of Pixar films. There were buddy films or sort of more ensemble ones. And this one is very ensemble. Yeah, right. Yeah, with all right. those circus uh, bugs and everything. You get the standouts like Heimlich, always so fun. Heimlich is very funny. Like, one of the funniest bits in the movie is when, like, he's stuck and that bird's coming and they're, like, looking at him from afar, like, wow, he's so brave that it immediately cuts to him just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> this giant, terrified face. It's incredible. <laughs> so, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, really fun to watch, actually. I was like, man, this is very good. Yeah, it was good. I remember, also, it, oh, good. I remember being younger, not liking Flick that much. Or not liking the situation of like, I, oh, everyone's always mad at him. I, what I, the remember, heck? I used to have a lot of like empathetic yes. anxiety right. about because yeah. like he is just kind of caught in this line. It used to like as a kid when like oh, emotions, I would get like real nervous about all that. Actually, right now it's you know it's whatever. And he gets now you're an adult and yeah. grown up. He gets like a lot of good heroic moments when he stands up to oh, Hopper. That's, that's a good like, moment. This is real good. Like, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, good on good on you, Flick. You know, like back then, Pixar could do no wrong, and now we're in an era where Pixar has had some flops and mm, some misses. Yeah. So. so it's kind of fun to go back to the ones that you haven't seen in a while. Yeah, it's like, oh, this yeah. is like a masterpiece. Yeah. This is actually just, you know, very good. It just kind of came out in this golden era where maybe we don't give it uh, enough credit. There's a lot of uh, interesting technical bits about this movie, too. So um, this was before we really had particle simulations. So, for, for example, when it's raining, they had to do all that by hand. Like the raindrops breaking right. apart, the ripples in the water. Yeah. 
Um, also, when you think about it, this is like big crowds for a CG film. Yes. There's hundreds of ants. We don't have well, like wet as massive technology right. yet. It's funny. They, they kind of joke about that in the way in the bloopers and the credits with the cardboard, the cardboard cutout. cutout yeah. yeah, that's good too. Um, also, interesting thing. So this movie was, was um, released theatrically in widescreen, which still wasn't very common for animated films. But then on the VHS release, you know, it's, it's brought down to standard uh, ratio four by three. Um, they actually, instead of doing what was common at the time called pan and scan, where they crop the movie, but they'll also digitally move the camera left and right if mm. something's more important on side, they actually recompiled the film to the new oh, really? uh, ratio, even like readjusting the positioning of characters. Wow. And yeah. Uh, and then when it came out on DVD, it was actually the first digital film to DVD transfer. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. That's really so that's, and all uh, these uh, facts here. Oh, yes, yes. Very big nice. Deal. Big deal. Yeah. yeah. Something else I thought that was kind of funny. I didn't realize it was Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I, I was thinking it was or whatever. But it, again, in those bloopers, there's the one where she's like constantly breaking with Hopper. Mm. It's clearly a thing of Elaine because she did it yeah, all, she the did time all the time on Seinfeld. Seinfeld. So it's kind of cool that they, you know. Right. That's the cool thing about this cast. So like a lot of the main players are like at the time sitcom stars. But then the other side of the cast, like all these like classic actors and actresses, like yeah. um, Phyllis Diller and um, Madeline Kahn, and Kevin problematic Kevin Spacey, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? It, it, there's people here who will show up in other Pixar movies. Brad Dourif does a lot of stuff after debuting mm -hmm. uh, here. Joey Louis Dreyfus comes back in Onward as the mother, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So even Dave Foley, he was in uh, Monsters University, right? Yeah, so a lot of people do come back here. Also, uh, David Hyde Pierce is fantastic in this. I, I, like I love him. David uh, Hyde Pierce so much. Then. He's great yeah, at everything, but yeah. So, now, Mike, yes. interesting. This movie came out November 20th, but you said April at the beginning of the show. Right, yeah. So it is It's funny, but yes, the uh, attraction came out before the movie. So let's talk about so It's crazy. Tough to Be a Bug, which uh, is housed in the Tree of Life. <coughs> it's probably important we talk about that a little bit. So with work starting on that fourth park, uh, Disney obviously was going to need a sort of new weenie or park icon. Uh, some early concepts included this giant carousel. I think you've probably seen the concept art for that floating mm -hmm. around. Also a Noah's Ark type thing, which also may have been like an entrance, but it would have been this giant. I'm glad they didn't do that. <laughs> yeah. Because there are these giant Noah's Arks now. Right. And well, I can see like, because it's like, well, all the animals came out of the Ark and now they're here. And mm -hmm. like, I guess I get it. But also, yeah. Yeah, I think they, I think I think they think they dodged a bullet there by doing any kind of religious sort of stuff with mm -hmm. that. The Imagineers soon settled on the Tree of Life. The tree took eighteen months to make. Created with concrete, built around an old uh, oil rig as the skeleton. Very poetic. Very sweet. Everybody, yeah. I think, has seen uh, that like mm -hmm. initial skeleton. So, yeah, uh, the tree features 325 animal carvings on its trunks and roots. It is 145 feet tall, has 8,000 branches and 100 and 2 thousand leaves that are made out of thermoplastic kynar. Kynar. Engineer, do you know what that is? I've never heard of kynar. I mean, it's apparently it holds up. It's a plastic of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and you, you, you've never liked these leaves, actually, AJ. They're, they're, Why do you have such a problem with these I'm leaves? I'm going to guess it's because the color There are slightly different green than all the other trees in the yeah, area. It stands out, I guess, right? It <laughs> it's, is all, like, it's always just it's a nitpicky thing that's always kind of bugged me. I, I was because you're like bug. <laughs> I like because you can see from a distance like oh there's a tree of life. I, I I I see it both ways. I think yes, it's good. It stands out. There is something. It does kind of look like a plasticky green right. color, a little sure. bit. Yeah, nothing but love for the tree of life. But a it's like bit. the army green color from uh, Toy Story Army. Yeah, Man. there you go. Yes, 
Maybe that's also a thermoplastic kynar. <laughs> Maybe it is. <laughs> Would you two like to hear the story of the tree, the official Imagineer story? Yes. I want it. Because we always had backstories in the 90s. Okay. <clears throat> well, it's a bug. <laughs> no, wait, no. That's a different story. Uh, once upon a time, no vegetation would grow on Discovery Island. There were no trees, no shrubs, no flowers, nothing. It was a barren piece of land. Then one day, was a bug. I mean, a tiny ant planted a seed and made a wish. He wished for a tree to grow, a tree large enough to provide shelter for all the animals. Magically, the ant's wish came true, and a tree began to grow. And it kept growing until there was room beneath its limbs for all the animals, from A, ants, to Z, zebras. zebras. And as the tree continued to reach for the heavens, the images of all the animals that took shelter beneath its shade appeared on its trunks, roots, and branches. Wow. Well, that's special. Is that nice? You can you can see the little ant somewhere. Yeah, near near the base, there is an ant with a seed, and that is the ant that planted the the, the the seed of the tree of life. Mm. And there's all sorts of animals. I think there's that famous story that Jane Goodall came that one time, and they're like they showed her it when it was in progress. It's like, well, where's the chimp? And so they had to. They're like, oh, we didn't do a chimp. We'll do a chimp now. <laughs> but yeah, you know, you, you've all seen the tree of life. Tons of animals in there. It is very pretty. Uh, it's fun to go just walk around it. It is. Where does it rank for you guys in terms of the four park icons? So well, whichever what, what you would do you consider, consider yeah. Studios yeah. to be. I guess Studios is like default last place because it's just sort of doesn't not sure. really okay, have well, one defined what very if well. You include the uh, the old water tower. Back, yeah, but that's back then. Even still, I liked it. But that would still be last place probably. Mm-hmm. Like even if it really? is, let's say it's Chinese theater, which it is to me more so than Tower of Terror. I mean, why well, you, you like? Do you like Chinese Theater or Tower of Terror as a park icon? Not as a ride, as a park icon more than Cinderella Castle, Spaceship Earth, or the no, Tree I'm of Life? No, leaning towards the Earful Tower. You're, you like the Earful Tower more I than do. Spaceship I think it's Earth? Great. The, the I'm castle? so upset they got rid of it. Give me well, your they ranking. Didn't get rid of it, so it could have been that good. Give me your ranking. Give me the sorcerer's right. hat. Oh. Give me no, the ranking. If Earful Tower is it, give me the ranking. Then we'll go 90s. It's 90s. What okay. I would say Epcot, uh, Magic Kingdom. I guess Tree of Life. Yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, it is pretty good. AJ. I would go Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Animal Kingdom, and Hollywood Studios. I would go probably Epcot, Animal Kingdom, Magic Kingdom. Studios. Second. Yeah, Tree of Life rules. I it does it. rule. Great. It's fantastic. Uh, okay, so now they knew they are going to make a tree, but they weren't sure what was going to be in the tree. Uh, you want to have some kind of attraction there since you have this big weenie. It makes sense for there to be something for people to do. Uh, some early ideas included a restaurant that would have been called the Root Restaurant. Would have actually been the what, kind why? of like, what's that? What, why? Why that name? Why, why not? No, it's a mystery. No one knows. <laughs> <laughs> and it would have kind of actually been like a nicer restaurant. Like Cinderella's Royal Table. Mm-hmm. Think of that. Um, they also like thought, oh, maybe people could just kind of go in and climb and get to the top and get views. Almost oh, more like Swiss Family Robinson cool. style. So, you know, you can go around and, and, and see things. Um, but then they kind of said, well, let's do a show in there. That'll, you know, make sense. We just have a hollow spot in the tree. Because it probably, you know, would have been hard to do, like, an attraction. Like mechanism and everything. Can't, like, hide a show building necessarily because it is just right in the middle of the park with all this stuff uh, around there. Um, so some ideas for a show. One of them was uh, Wonders of Nature. Uh, imagine uh, artist named Brian Jowers did concept art for this. It's, it's hard to get a read on this. You can see this concept yeah. art. It's kind of like this <coughs> nature goddess. It's like a Mother Nature type character. Right. But it would have been a pretty general nature-y show. Uh, probably very, a lot of gravitas, I think. 
Uh, but then, it's almost like something you'd see at Epcot. Yeah, yeah, get some Epcot vibes from it. Dave uh, Minicello did concept art for a Lion King show, which is something you expect a bit more of. This concept art here, you see Rafiki actually sh- uh, showing uh, young Simba and Nala like something in a little... It, you know what it looks like to me? It looks, oh, uh, Lord of the Rings? It looks like a Lathriel <laughs> showing Frodo and Sam something. The mirror of... Uh, yeah. Oh, I forget the was it a Lendale or was it a star Eris. of Lendale? Yeah, Eris said it's Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, that mirror. Uh, so, but yeah, I'm almost surprised they didn't go with that. You think that'd be a, a kind of... Well, there's nothing more Michael Eisner yeah. than him saying, what movie do we have that's Synergy. about to come out? Synergy. <laughs> Michael Eisner was the one who, if you don't know, CEO at the time of the Walt Disney Company, suggested basing it off of the upcoming film, A Bug's Life. Mm. It makes decent sense. Uh, Toy Story was a giant hit. He knew that this Bugs Life movie was coming along. Yeah, he was the one. Faith in I it. mean, they had to. He was the one who ultimately had to okay it at one point, right? So he had to have seen it and thought, like, "Yes, this yeah, is this is going to be big." It's Bugs. It makes some sense. It's Animal Kingdom. Well, stuff. it was an ant that planted it, so maybe right. it was Flick. I don't know. Well, I don't know what came first there. The idea of put uh, Bugs Life or the stuff to be a bug or to have <laughs> the whole ant thing there. So okay, we're going to make a 3D movie. Uh, of course, it's going to be a 3D movie. Who's going to make it, though? Because, again, uh, A Bug's Life's not out yet. Pixar is making A Bug's Life. And probably Toy Story and 2 And probably well. working on Toy Story 2. They don't really have uh, animators who can work on this nine-minute, like, other movie. So uh, the film was actually created by a studio called Rhythm and Hughes Studio. That's crazy. They were, they're based in El Segundo, Los Angeles, California, established in 1987. They are a special effects house, really. They've done special effects for a ton of movies, including Jetsons the movie, Hocus Pocus, Babe, Fantasia 2000. Yeah. They worked on some animated movies, even. Um, and they, they also, they're still around. They still work on projects. They worked on The Boys, that TV show. Yeah, wow. And The King's Man they worked on also. But they also had experience with theme park attractions. So I said that they worked on Jetsons the movie. People who know about the fantastic world of Hanna-Barbera know that Jetsons the movie and that ride kind of have a lot in common. you're right. They're pretty similar production staff and a lot of the same voice actors and stuff there. style with everything. Yeah, so So Rhythm and Hughes also worked on Fantastic World of Hanna-Barbera, which was a simulator attraction that used to be in Universal Studios Florida. It then became the the Nicktoons ride. Yeah, and it's Jimmy currently Neutron. it is currently the uh Despicable Me Minion Mayhem. Min- yep, that's yep. right. Minion Mayhem. They even made a video game. How about that? They made 1998's Eggs of Steel, Charlie's Excellent Adventure for the original PlayStation. <laughs> have you ever heard of this? Uh, I think I might have. I looked at a video game. It's, uh, it's, 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 it's something. It's something else? It's something. Yeah, it definitely looks like a, 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 a studio's only video game. <laughs> <laughs> so they made the theater uh, designed to fit about 428 seats. It doesn't look like the largest thing in the world. I don't even know no. if it's as big as like the Muppet Theater. For, for, it does seem so. cozy kind of because of it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but the show also features a good amount of practical effects. This includes a flick animatronic who's actually positioned on the roof. His head kind of pops out of the hole yeah, in the cool. ceiling. He appears a couple times during well, the show. Well, they have that cool gag with the spotlights. He's like, hey, come yeah, up over here. The lightning up, bugs. Here. Yeah, it's a good you're not You're not looking up there, so it is kind of neat to be right, like, oh. you, kinda can't, you actually can't really see him until the light is on him, so it is kind of this neat surprise. Mm. Uh, but then sort of the big showpiece here is the Hopper animatronic. Hopper was the villain in the movie, and he's a very menacing Billy. He's actually one of Pixar's probably scarier villains. Yes, he's uh, he commits murders. 
he himself he viciously uh, killed at the end of the movie. And he doesn't yeah. really have like like a redeeming quality no. or any tragic flaw. He's just kind of no. bad. Straight up no, bad. No, no tragic flaws. Yeah, he is just kind of pure evil. Just a very, very evil bug. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this Hopper animatronic is a full figure, full body, so tons good. of range of movement, the forearms, the eyes, the mouth. The wings, yeah. like how they spread out. Very so complex, good. very impressive animatronic. Uh, had to be the most impressive in Animal Kingdom on opening day, really. Uh, like what, this or Little Red? <laughs> I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's like there's some good, well, this or the carnosaur and dinosaurs, yeah. for sure. But even, the, I don't know, this one is... Almost more impressive. It doesn't have the scale of the carnosaur, but yeah, this one seems more of a showpiece. Like, yeah. like kind of like how um, in the Avatar there is now. Yeah, the, yeah, uh, yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. We have the shaman there. Yeah, the shaman or shaman, as they say a lot of times. Even though I don't like that shaman. <laughs> yeah, shaman. Yeah, Come on. So uh, Hopper in the film is actually not voiced by Kevin Spacey. Voiced by Andrew Stanton, who again yeah, co-director of yeah, the movie. He does a really good job. Like I, I remember when I did find out years ago. I was like, really? Because mm-hmm. Sounds just like him. If, if people don't know, Andrew Stanton later goes on to uh, direct Finding Nemo, Finding Dory, Wally, Wally right, yeah. uh, and uh, John, Car- John John Carter of John Mars. Carter of Mars was the yeah. Uh, so there's, there's that also. The theater also has a lot of practical effects: uh, water, wind, smell effects, basically the kind of stuff. You, you know, the 3D movie started incorporating this also with Captain EO with like the lasers. Then Muppet Vision is where you got things like the bubbles and the water. Yeah, the Honey, I Shrunk, Honey I Shrunk, 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 audience did a ton of stuff like M- that. More of like the freaky stuff, like getting poked and right. jabbed. And this, yeah, this is kind of in that vein with the freaky stuff, <laughs> for sure. They're, they're definitely playing into bugs. Well, there are bugs everywhere. So. Bugs. There are tons of bugs. And we're going to find out how tough it is to beat them, <laughs> for <laughs> sure. Uh, so let's talk about the attraction itself. So, you know, you enter this through Discovery Island, which is that central area, really the only, aside from the riverboats, I suppose, at the time, uh, which even then, you depends where you load on those, really the only attraction yeah. in that area Otherwise of the park. Otherwise, it's shopping and... It's shopping, like restaurants, street, and it's just kind of a hub. Yeah. Just kind of a hub area. But the queue is nice, because you do actually go through the roots of the Tree of Life, and... There are sculptures all throughout these roots, and you're also just getting great views of the Tree of Life itself as you're walking around this. Yeah, seeing those up close is a pretty cool experience, <laughs> and there's there's a lot of good like winding walking pathways in that area that even I, I don't think I've ever even really done. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like other paths that aren't part of this line that you can explore around Tree of Life, and those <laughs> are fun to do. Even just like this line path, is, yeah, it gives you a lot of that. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Uh, and there's some interesting uh, atmosphere music in this line. You get bug-sung versions of classic Disney and theater music songs. Uh, these are all composed by a George Wilkins. It includes, one, a cockroach line, a uh, parody of one from a chorus line. Beauty and the Bees, parody of uh, from Beauty and the Beast. Uh, this, is, this one was on a lot of the official albums, by yeah, the way. Beauty and the Bees, you may have heard of this. Um, uh, tomorrow from Ant E., which is a parody of uh, from Got Annie. Uh, I feel pretty from Website Story instead of West Side <laughs> Story. Hello, Dung Lovers uh, from The Dung and I, a parody of Hello, Young Lovers <laughs> from The King and I, and Tonight from uh, Website uh, Story. So, again, West Side Story uh, a thing. This is also mixed with Flight of the Bumblebee for some reason because why yeah. not? <laughs> why not? I can't, they're, they're fun and cute, but I do feel bad for the people who work there listening to buzzing noises. Oh, all like, day. It's a lot of <laughs> that would be great that for a while. Yeah. Rough. So uh, Wilkins, again, uh, who, who worked on those songs, also uh, helped a uh, Kevin Rafferty 
composed the attraction's finale song, It's Tough to Be a Bug. This it's is also on some too. of the CDs. This is the musical number at the end of the show. And then a Bruce Broughton actually composed the score for the attraction. Bruce Brown, man, he's prolific. Yes. Keeps coming up when we research all this does stuff in the lot, 90s. Yeah, it does a lot of Disney, quarter of sort of the composing orchestral stuff in the 90s. So the cue... You know, it does have some elements for the show itself, aside from just all the sculptures. You get some uh, special themed posters. Some of these are for those fake musicals that are referencing those parody songs like Beauty and the Bees and A Cockroach Line. But you also have posters that are highlighting some of the acts you're going to see in the show proper, like the Termite Aider, uh, like Claire, the yeah. room who we're about to meet a little bit. It's very much a Muppets uh, vision kind bit of Bit of a thing. Muppets vibe. Yeah, yep. you're right. You're right. So then, you, as you're kind of entering the base of the tree, you pick up your 3D glasses. These are your bug eyes. You enter the theater. I always love the different ways they had to come up with, like explaining what why you're wearing glasses. glasses. Right, your opera glasses, <laughs> your, your uh, the Muppet Labs special safety goggles. There's always something right here. They are uh, bug eyes. They're going to make us honorary bugs. I assume I, I always, as a kid, I infer that that meant that they gave me special shrinking powers or something. Right? <laughs> so, and that's how that worked. So hmm. are we still full size? Just seeing. See, I always thought we shrunk down to a size of a bug. Right. Uh, right. Because, you know, we I mean, Hopper's like, as big as we are. Hopper is as big as we are. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it, it is also pretty neat when you are actually in the, the root of the tree here and you're in this kind of little holding area before you go into the main theater. It's not like a lot of the other 3D movies where you have a pre-show of some sort. So it's not like Muppet Vision in that aspect. Uh, or it's it's not even like uh, Honey, I Shrunk the Audience where you're going to see an yeah. ad for Kodak before this. You're just kind of in this little holding area. Uh, but then eventually the doors open and you go inside the theater. The theater itself is pretty nicely themed to look like you are inside of a tree, like this nice hollowed out tree area. Uh, even the screen, is, they have like the butt, a bunch of butterflies on it to make it look like a curtain. Yeah, like a big curtain. If you put your glasses on, it does kind of pop out. Shimmer. They flutter a little bit. You know, yeah. It's a right. effect. And like you said, Chris, when the show like starts, like Flick is like talking and he gets the lightning bugs, which are the spotlights that fla uh, flash on him in the top. And he is coming out of his little hole. It's cool. It's such a cool. It's a cool effect. Effect. Mm -hmm. Then the show starts proper. The uh, butterflies fly away and uh, Flick is, appears on the screen. It's interesting, like, as a movie, it's not like a movie with scenes. The screen is basically showing a stage the mm -hmm. entire time. Like, we mm -hmm. are looking out on a stage. We don't have cuts to different scenes right. or anything like that. And basically, what we have here is Flick's kind of hosting a variety show to sort of show us about bugs. He, say that, he says that we kind of overlook bugs or, you know, we, you know stuff like that. Like, hey, oh, we're going to get on a better footing here. We're going we're gonna to get to know each other. <laughs> Our first act is a Chilean rose uh, tarantula named Chili, voiced by Cheech Marin. You know, uh, that guy who keeps trying to sell you those gummies on yeah, Twitter. Yeah. Hey, Flicko! Yeah. yeah. Uh, so he's going to shoot acorns that are being shot at the audience with his special quills, but Weevil Neville, who's voiced by Jason Alexander, kind Evil of... Evil Knievel. Evil you know, Knievel, we, you're right, you're right. My mistake, <laughs> my mistake, Sean <laughs> <laughs> uh, He's kind of grabs onto one of them and is holding onto these, you know, antics. Uh, and Sue, Chili gets mad, <laughs> he's missing things, but you know, so on and so forth. And they're doing that thing where every time Chili shoots his quills, there's, there's like that puff of air. Man. Yeah, makes it feel like something's flying by you, which is neat. Uh, the next act is a soldier termite who can shoot acid. This is the termite-ator. Voiced by uh, French Stewart, 
My name's French. Yeah, no one gives, <laughs> yeah, no one gives, no one gives a crap. Yeah. <laughs> or something more flavorful. It's, it's a word I won't say on our podcast. <laughs> it's not that bad, but you know. My name's French, right. <laughs> but first he, he targets a flea, but then he looks at the audience. He's like, oh, more intruders or something. It looks like, no, don't kill them. <laughs> he's like, nah, nah I'm going to no, go. go. <laughs> they got to go. So he shoots acid at us, but then now you get the water sprayers. Going. Oh, no. Right. It's boiling acid. <laughs> Uh, next is a stink bug named Claire the Room, and you can all imagine what happens here. Uh, this is the reason why I don't do this attraction. I hate smelly stuff in shows. What's, right. What was worse, Claire the Room or the, uh, chili, the chili dog chili dog was worse. Stitch? Chili dog was worse. Yeah. Probably. What are there other famous bad smells? The journey. The journey. The room. Oh, you're right. The there. Yeah, I don't know why they love that. They love yeah. doing that little yeah. bit there. Um, Unless it's like the room, burning room scene. I don't want it. Of course, Claire the Room was uh, famously featured on a giant 3D billboard for this attraction as you left the Magic Kingdom Resort Oh, area. you're right. And it would have the smoke coming out of her butt. Yeah. Yes. God, that's, mm-hmm. that was there forever. It might still be there. I don't I, know. I think, I think it went away when they did that reconstruction okay. of the roadways there yeah. recently. That yeah. didn't last quite as long as that Tower of Terror billboard, yeah. but it was there for <laughs> quite a while. Um so I have to clear the room's uh, act, which also has another uh, beetle Knievel. What the hell was its name? Weevil, 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 Weevil interference. <laughs> now Hopper makes his grand entrance again, full-sized animal. Well, actually, a full-sized animatronic would be very tiny. Uh, <laughs> a much, much larger a animatronic. Right. He appears. He's kind of to the right of the stage, and he does not like the humans. He's, he's mad at us. He's criticizing us for demonizing and attacking bugs. Uh, Flick tries to defend us, but Hopper gets a larger bug to get <coughs> Flick out of here. Uh, so Hopper decides he's going to give the audience a taste of, the, of our own medicine. So we're attacked by a giant fly swatter, and we think we get some more air shot at yeah, us mm-hmm. during this. Then there's a bug spray attack. This is interesting because the bottle kind of like is above the screen, and there's like a little vent where they shoot smoke yeah, like out. Where the th- nozzle would be. Right. And there's more. Like, like I said, my memory of it was like a ton of smoke came out at this point because then it obscures... The next few bits here, were, which are more practical, but uh, yeah. they, they, they get the theater dark, right? Yeah, it goes pitch black yeah. at this point. Well, because, yeah, then we are attacked by hornets, which is this is one of the uh, more interesting effects oh. is what I think uh, skeeved a lot of people out <laughs> quite because you actually do feel like little like pokes in the back of your seats, like yep. you're being stung in the back. Uh, and then I'm sure a lot of people love spiders and spiders. <laughs> There's not a three effects. The little spiders are actually descending from the ceiling, kind of towards the they audience. Glowing red eyes, too. You know? Yeah. So this is pretty good. So it's, a, it's an all-out attack. But yeah. <laughs> you don't expect anything less from. He Hopper. is assaulting us. He is going hard. Um, but eventually, a chameleon actually kind of shows up and uh, chases Hopper away. Tries to eat him. Hopper's always almost getting eaten <laughs> by things here. Um, Flick then kind of saunters back into the stage and leads us into the finale, which is that it's uh, tough to be a bug uh, song, which is a lot of fun. At this point, um, it's fun to have like a, a unique song for an yeah. right. It's cute. Yeah. It's very show tuned. Yeah, they don't and, do it too much anymore. Yeah, right. And if all of the bugs were wiped off of the planet, mm-hmm. soon be no humans around here to man it. The best thing about us can't, can't live without us, so it's tough to yeah. be a bug. It's, it's fun. Um, yeah, so, you know, then, like, the curtain comes back, and there's actually this cute little moment. Like, Flick's saying goodbye to us. He's back on top of the, his little hole. There's, like, the one, like, little, like, kid butterfly. He's like, hey, little fella, where are you, where are you supposed to be? Over there? That's there you, right. There you go. Yeah. That's, I, that's so charming, too. Yeah, like, the why. voice actor for him is so good. Flick's, Flick is very likable. Yeah. I like Flick 
a lot. Uh, then the announcer actually comes on and says, you know, the best. right, like kind of before we leave, like the little bugs are going to leave first. And then that's great. This is the reaction. Because the, the audience listens. Everyone sits still. Like, oh, I better stay seated. And there's this effect. There's these kind of. There's these triggers with hidden rubber wheels on, on the bottom of the seats, and they kind of roll and make this effect that feels like something is crawling under you, yeah. and it feels like all these bugs are kind of scooching by your butt. And there's little voices in the theater going, pardon me, pardon me, excuse right. me, oh, excuse me. So if you're sitting in the middle of the theater, you hear like people screaming to your right, it gets closer. Yeah, it works its like, way what? down. What's going on? <laughs> it's, it's, it's very, very fun, actually. Uh, and yeah, that's the show. Then you leave, you get some nice, more nice views of Discovery Island and the Tree of Life on your way out. But that's about it. The whole show is just nine minutes long. Originally, it was going to be closer to 12 minutes. There was actually an entire cut sequence where Flick was going to host a, a dating game show. Where he was going to interview three bachelorettes who are a uh, species known for eating their mates. Black Widow Spider, a praying mantis, and a jumping spider. Uh, apparently, Eisner was not in love with this idea. You gotta wonder because it does seem kind of short when you watch it. A little the, short. The show. How yeah. long is like Muppet Vision? I wonder. You can, yeah, I wonder no comparatively. I feel like Muppet Vision has to be a little longer maybe, than nine I'm minutes. Guess Fifteen minutes. Is yeah, my guess. maybe more like 13, 12. maybe twelve because twelve might have been why they were targeting. You gotta but wonder it, too if they didn't like. Oh, uh, good. No, you go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, if you didn't like the idea. Well, why why scrap it completely? Why not just rethink well, something? Because else? now your show's nine minutes, you can have higher turnout. Uh, Fifteen minutes. Fifteen for Muppet. Who was right? Okay, well, okay, all right, all right, all right. You got it. You got me. You got me. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely shorter as far as the 3D movies go. But again, kind of a smaller theater, so maybe it makes sense to kind yeah, of get rotate turn them in. crowds. Got to rotate them a little better. <clears throat> so uh, it's tough to be a bug, not just in Animal Kingdom. It actually was also at. California Adventure, also an opening day attraction at that park. How about that? Opened up at both of the 90s uh, U.S. Disney theme parks. Isn't that lovely? It yep. sure is. Yeah. So California Adventure opened on February 8th, 2001. And again, that is when It's Tough to Be a Bug also opened there. Attraction's only a few years old at this point. Originally part of the Bountiful Valley Farm section of the park. Um, Disney soon would turn the whole land into a Bugs Life themed land called a Bugs Land. So did it open as Bountiful? Yeah. Land? Yeah. It wasn't a Bugs Land right away. Okay. They turned it into a Bugs Land because one of the main complaints early on was one, not enough rides. Like and especially stuff. not enough rides for young kids. Yeah. So that's why you got things like the Heimlich, like little like train and you know. So that, that. Hey, don't don't say uh, bad things about that. People love that. I'm right. not. I wasn't saying anything about okay. that. Okay, <laughs> a little negative <laughs> there for a careful, second. Careful, I think you're in fear. You gotta be careful. I think you're projecting. I didn't say anything. Okay. And that other ride that got converted into that inside out attraction. Yeah. Basically, the credit coaster. Basically, they put more kids rides over in, in which that it area. needed to do. It was yeah. a good idea. So you know, and it was it was you know it made sense. Yeah, just it was cool to have a little land themed around uh, a bug's life. There was some. Fun elements of that. I know there was special audio that played in the bathroom that was uh, fun for people. But uh, I, this version of the attraction was never quite as popular in this park. Uh, I think it probably hurt that it wasn't attached to the weenie. It was not quite as obvious where this was. Also, it's kind know, of a big building. California Metro had a lot of shows. Yeah. Uh, even, yeah I mean, even would eventually also have Muppet Vision. Yeah. So it's just like, yeah, I'm also uh, had Golden Dream or whatever. Uh, yeah, that, didn't last long. California long, show, yeah. So. Uh, this this wasn't a giant hit over there. Basically, the same attraction though. The line is different. Um, you entered from the left and exited to the right, right. and you were kind true. of like you know when you're out, you're outside still, and it is like you're surrounded by nature. It almost looks like you're just <laughs> in like 
I don't know, grassy area, like a little ant hill. It's very nice. It's nice. There's a nice like waterfall that you walk mm-hmm. past. And you everything. get good views of uh, Grizzly River Run. Yeah, you do. It, it blends in nicely to the uh, to the surrounding environment. Yeah. So that part of it is nice. And when you go inside, you still have like that nicely themed, like you're inside of an ant mound or like hollow tree or kind of that kind of thing. A lot of neat lighting effects too yeah. in the cube. You saw a lot of nice colors and everything. But basically, yeah, basically the same attraction. Uh, towards the end of the existence, they would often just uh, play previews for upcoming 3D movies instead. They did this at a lot of theaters throughout Disneyland and Disney World. Yeah. yeah. They just got turned into previews for other films. Uh, some of the previews that were shown here were for movies like The Dinosaur. Uh, and uh, Ant Man, which is ironic, and, and uh, <laughs> also ironic, is Utopia. <laughs> we'll get to. Uh, so Disney would eventually close this version of the ride on March nineteenth, twenty eighteen. So pretty good run, really. Yeah. Uh, this was to make way for the Avengers Campus, which uh, all of a Bugs Land turned into Avengers Campus. And this theater area specifically is where the Spider Man Web Slingers attraction is now. Yeah, using yeah. the same building. Well, most, yeah, building, yeah, right? and I think maybe some more because yeah, yeah, it's yeah bigger. But it makes sense know. why Spider-Man Web Slingers is the way it is. With, like you know, right. it's a ride that stops a lot and shows you screen because it's not that much space. Yeah. in there for sure. So yeah, so that never uh, done it, but I don't know the ride just blows me out. Just we never about it, but we also never did a bugs. We never did. It's tough to be a bug in California. No. Sure, I think it was very easy to be like, oh, we have that one. In Florida, we don't need to go over there for that. Well, we never really did an Animal Kingdom either we way. We did if yeah, we it's not like a, a thing we did all the time, but we'll talk a little bit more about our experiences with it. Uh, let's talk about we like to talk about how attractions change throughout the years. Um, what are they going to change? There's not much that changed. No, they didn't no. even change like the posters, like Muppet Vision does. No, not much changed at all. In some sense, it's a testament to basically the show working. Uh, True, you know, its gags do work pretty well. But yeah, not much happened. In fact, there was there weren't any developments until recently, September 9th, 2023, at Destination D23. Disney announced that a Zootopia show is going to replace It's Tough to Be a Bug. Uh, you can see the sort of concept art of this, and they talked a bit about it. And it seems like almost similar in that it's kind of like a variety show yeah. where we're going to learn about the different biomes of Zootopia. You can pretty clearly see that. Um, what's that character? Clawhauser. Claw you see Clawhauser in exactly the same spot where the uh, Hopper animatronic yeah. was, and they made that Clawhauser animatronic for that ride yeah. in Hong Kong. He's right? in the queue at or, the or, or Shanghai, Shanghai. Shanghai, excuse me. For, yeah. So I assume they're going to use a pretty similar mold for this animatronic here. So and they, oh, clearly going to be a three D show too, with the way these characters are popping out of the screen. I imagine, which is interesting. Well, yeah, you, you kind of would have thought with the sort of death of 3d that they wouldn't be doing anymore yeah. but what else would you do there yeah yeah you know we gotta do a show and if it's you gonna be a show a movie, yeah i'm sure they'll come that. up with some neat ways to kind of rejuvenate the mm-hmm. that whole thing yeah so uh we don't know when that's happened we don't even know when it's tough to be a bug is closing but its days are in fact numbered so if you're going to animal kingdom anytime soon do it and you are think you're going to miss this attraction uh, do it when you are there. It may very well be your last time. Just a couple other little factoids that didn't really fit neatly in any other sections. That title, It's Tough to Be a Bug, um, that was actually inspired by a Ward Kimball short from 1969, educational short film called It's Tough to Be a Bird. Hmm. Ward Kimball, for those who don't know, is one of the legendary nine old men, was an animator for iconic characters like Jiminy Cricket and also took the lead 
on notable projects like those Tomorrowland uh, specials about oh, uh, space good. and mm-hmm. space flight oh, from yeah. the old Walt Disney Presents slash Disneyland programs. Yeah, exactly. And then um, even though this there was only those two versions of the show, there were plans at one point to take it to Hong Kong Disneyland when they were designing that, putting it in Frontierland, actually, which I guess yeah, would have made you know, some sense. There but were bugs in the frontier. There's bugs in Hong Kong, I assume. And Yeah, but that did not happen. So... What are our memories of the show? What do we think of It's Tough to Be a Bug? So I can remember um, before Animal Kingdom opened. Remember they had like the opening day special on ABC? I thought, was that hosted by not, who hosted that? Was it Drew Carey? I think think it was, although Drew Carey also did uh, California. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. He did a lot of them. (laughs) Specifically, I'm thinking that was George Lopez was the one introducing this attraction. And all I couldn't remember was him constantly saying, bug eyes. Bug. Get your bug eyes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I do remember like like the first time doing it and being very impressed and and skeezed out by all the practical effects, um, you know the stingers and the things crawling. Yeah, that is like the highlight of the show. But it was it was never as scary as uh, Honey I Shrunk the Audience. Right. To me. Honey I Shrunk the Audience terrified. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do it. Yeah, Even though I knew how it worked, I knew what was yeah. going on. I hated that this moment one, with the mice. This one was a bit skeevy, but mostly in a fun way. I'm sure right. there's some people who were sort of turned off by all that stuff, <coughs> but I mostly thought that it was fun enough. Now, of course, my fondest memory of, of this attraction is and we've talked many times about a trip we took where our grandfather came with us, and uh, we go to do this show. I'm sitting next to him. He's sitting <laughs> okay. at the end of our lineup. And he doesn't know what's going on. He's never he hadn't been at Disney World, I think, except once in the seventies. And uh, the 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 hornet starts stinging people. And he had no idea this was about to happen. Now keep in mind, he's a war veteran and a retired police officer, so he's kind of wired to go. <laughs> this thing stings him, and he just reflectively jerks his elbow to the side and just elbows this woman sitting next <laughs> to him, and then starts apologizing to her. And all the grandpa's fake. It's, like, it's okay. We're not getting stung. We're safe. Oh God. Uh, Chris, what about you? Yeah, I said it. I, I mean, I was a little younger, so I was kind of scared of this attraction, to be honest. And uh, the smelling stuff doesn't help. But it was something I, I did a few times, and I really never looked to go back to it, even though I appreciate how neat it really is, especially watching it just now. Well, it is cool to watch it and see it. I have some regrets for not doing it more. Do you, but, when do you think was the last time you did it? I mean, honestly, probably maybe the one time like when we went like near opening. Yeah, we went with I've Grandpa that time. Twice. That would have been a little that, bit That later. may have been it, honestly, last time with Grandpa. That might have been your last time. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. Of this. It's been a while for me, too. I am going to Disney World in like a, a couple days as of this yeah. recording. I'm going to make a point to make sure that I do this again. I, I have a new appreciation after learning a bit more about it, and I want to make sure I see it one last time before it does go. I think even, uh, even from the beginning, we all thought the Hopper animatronic was all yeah. really oh, yeah. impressive, oh, yeah. and the practical effects were always really cool. It's not... A Muppet vision, like some iconic attraction. To me, and I don't think, of course, you know, it's something changing Disney. There's still like a petition to save it. I don't think there's too many people who are stunned or shocked that this thing is going away. It had a pretty good run. It's been over 25 yeah. years. It's pretty good. Right. I mean, Captain EO didn't last for 25 years. There's no way Honey, I Shrunk the Audience lasted yeah. for that long. I don't know if Magic Journeys lasted for that long. In the grand scheme of things, like. It might be the longest running other well, than Muppets. Other than Muppets. Yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if uh, Phil Art Magic does get past there at some point. Because yeah. they keep updating it. They can update it, and it's just a, such a popular idea. But yeah, it's tough to be a bug. Had a really good run. It's, you know, it's, it is neat that it was this weenie attraction. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the kind of the interesting thing, is it's not too often that 
Weenie attractions get straight up uh, change, although, you know, Mickey Minnie is arguably yeah, one true, of those true. for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. So it can, in fact, happen. They wanted to change uh, Spaceship uh, Earth. Earth that one time. Light chasers. They update it, though. That's the thing, though. Like we said, like, well, can you update it? Stuff to be about, like, yeah, what can you can't? Like we said, uh, A Bug's Life didn't really get sequels or anything like that. Yeah, like what kid kind of knows A Bug's Life, you know, yeah. like anything else? Like Zootopia right now, which yeah. is getting a sequel. Zootopia is getting a sequel. I understand why you would do it. I mean, to be honest, it was weird that there isn't Zootopia representation in, in Animal Kingdom. Part of me is a little surprised that it isn't something almost bigger, bigger yeah. the land, because you know, and that or something like that giant Zootopia ride right. that they are getting at Shanghai Disneyland. So we're gonna get a 3D movie, which you know, the 3D movies like the world on fire these days. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see how. Like I said, they, they got to do something kind of unique, and I'm sure they will. So right. it'll be neat. But I will still miss It's Up to Be a Bug and the A Bug's Life representation that it added. I'm sure there will be some tributes involved with the Zootopia film once we cap it. Hey, who knows? We've seen attractions uh, announced and then just never happen. We might yeah. actually have knock, It's knock, a Mary Bug Poppins. Life for a long time yeah. still. Who knows how long <laughs> this is actually going to take. So, yeah, we salute you. It's a Bug's Life. We salute you. It's tough to be a bug. Great movie. Great attraction. Fun stuff. Thank you very much. And I rest my case, sir. <laughs> All right. Very stated well, matter-of-factly there. Well, well done. Yes. yes. I find you guilty. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, do we get any emails or anything, AJ? Uh, no. Oh, okay then. Well. But you can still email us at 90sissypodcast at gmail.com. Tell us what you like about It's Tough to Be a Bug or your fond memories or if you're excited for Zootopia or what you would do instead. This episode was suggested by a, a listener, actually. So yes. Yeah, we do. So, yeah, we do listen to you. It but we're not that. listening to you this time because it's Christmas coming up, darn it. It is. Chris, what are we doing? Mike, what are we doing? You're, you're doing Candlelight, candlelight Processional. Candlelight Processional. <laughs> yes, I knew that. It's actually it's processional. I always forget if it's candlelight procession or candlelight yeah, processional. Right. It is old. It's a processional. Which we we did look. It started in 1990. So the Ep, it the Epcot version. Epcot in 1994. So yeah, we had to find these kind of you know like loop. Right, and of course <laughs> there's more history to it than that. Yeah, so we'll, we'll go we'll go into it starting with you know Disneyland. It was at Magic Kingdom for a bit. So yeah, we'll, we'll get into. And I'm very excited now. So for this episode, we're gonna have a very special guest. Neil Patrick Harris will be joining us on the show. Everybody. Woo-hoo. No, I, that's just a lie. I just wanted you all to be very impressed by me. Is this Universal Studios? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> so please look forward to that, everybody. You can go to 90sdisney.com to catch past, present, and future episodes of the show. Follow us on the socials, ask questions, get answers, and uh, make sure you subscribe. And leave us a review. We haven't gotten reviews in a while. I'm going to leave reviews to the show. People review podcasts anymore. I don't know. But, I haven't reviewed a podcast But everyone keeps forever. asking them to, so maybe uh, maybe they do. Maybe. Give them a thumbs up or something. I don't know. Five stars. Five stars. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time right here on 90s Disney. Uh, bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye.